Have you been experiencing exhaustion and as if your head was in a dark cloud? Have you been feeling no feelings? If this sounds familiar, then join us after the intro when we will talk with a special guest about depression and how to overcome it. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. Today's episode is a conversation with David Paul, who is joining us from Kent, UK, and we talk about depression and in particular how we can overcome it. David is a private counselor and a coach on many mental health related symptoms like depression, anxiety, uh, stress, trauma. Um, he works with chronic illnesses as well and also divorce and uh, breakups that can lead to some of these uh, mental health problems. Hi, David. Welcome to the Forgive and Try show. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. It's really good to be here. Thank you. So, David, uh, you are a private counselor and a coach, as I already said. Um, can we start from you and learn a little bit how you started? Mm. Well, um, I think that it started very young because um, when I was as young as six years old, I felt as though something wasn't quite right. And um, very often my school teachers would say to me, you look very isolated, you look very on your own, you look down, you know. And these kind of comments were constantly sort of communicated to me. And I think within a very short space of time, I began to take on this identity. I began to, I, beca I became this isolated, depressed, awkward person. And I think what happened was, is that it, it kind of began my journey with depression and anxiety, suicidal ideation. And as the years went on, the symptoms, the feelings intensified. And add to that various uh, traumatic events that happened. Um, eventually it got to a point where I it was either live or die. It was either, right, I've got to find ways to cope with this and I need to find strategies that work. Um, or, you know, uh, I, I can't take this anymore. So 
uh, it kind of organically happened that um, it became essential to find coping mechanisms and it took a long time and I'm still discovering every day new things. It's a journey, um, isn't it? It really is. And everyone's journey is individual. We've, we've all had our, you know, our, dark, our uh, night of the dark, they call it, night, dark night of the soul. And um, everyone's on their, you know, have got their own struggles, their own demons, their own challenges. And that sets you on your own individual journey. Um, and I found that I kind of, um, it, uh, it just organically um, became uh, manifested uh, for me to then want to start helping people um, and reducing other people's suffering as well as reducing my own suffering, which is still evident today. I still struggle every day, but talking about, you know, um, strategies with others is also very healing for myself. Um, but that's basically how I fell into, into coaching. Fantastic. So before going uh, ahead, can we uh, start giving some sort of definition of what the passion is? Because, you know, sometimes you feel uh, or you hear people say, oh, I really feel too depressed today, but they are not actually depressed. They might be um, a little bit uh, stressed out or tired. And that's something different from depression, right? Um, so can we start really defining what depression is just for the mm -hmm. sake so we are all uh, on the same wavelength? Well, uh, the, I, I, would, I, I think everyone, um, there's a kind of common theme with the feelings that, that people who suffer with depression have. And I would say that the definition of depression is a feeling of overwhelm. It's a feeling of a black cloud. A dark cloud it's a feeling of um it's a feeling of no feeling you know very often i'll ask someone who's got depression i'll say what are you feeling right now and they'll say nothing and so i think depression can also be described as a numbness you're just numb um it does take on many forms but what i would say is that there are different uh, intensities of depression. There are different tiers, we call it. So if one goes to get diagnosed by a GP, they'll diagnose you with severe depression, clinical depression, moderate depression, mild depression. And the reason why we have these categories is that if you are clinically depressed, if you're severely depressed, you can't get out of bed. It's, it's a situation where you know, you're physically and mentally um, incapable of even performing a simple task like getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, etc. Now, what I would say in my experience, the majority of people that I speak to have what I would classify as between, say, mild and moderate. Now, mild and moderate depression is still, I mean, pretty, it, it, it dramatically affects your life. So if I say moderate or mild, I'm not uh, taking anything away from one's depression, but there is a huge difference between moderate depression and clinical depression. So in terms of um, 
let's say uh, the symptoms that they uh, they show uh, where would you put the uh, threshold between for instance mild and uh, and moderate or moderate and, and severe depression mm. well for instance um you know one of the uh uh, reoccurring themes within people that suffer, say, for instance, chronic depression, is suicidal ideation. So there's this feeling of, you know, I can't go on, or this feeling of no hope, or what's the point? So all those kind of messages that um, uh, the brain sends would typically be felt with someone who has severe, or what I call chronic depression, uh, clinical depression. Someone who um, would have, say, for instance, moderate depression is someone that um, is very demotivated, has this sense of a dark cloud, sense of overwhelm. I mean, you know, you can still really struggle to get out of bed and do simple things, but um, you don't have the kind of in intensive struggles with, you know, with dark thoughts, with, with as I say, you know, uh, wanting to end your pain and, and those kind of uh, ruminating thoughts. So there is quite a differentiation. Now, having said that, um, you know, I come across a lot of people who just sort of, um, uh, they live their life. It's like, it's just a constant kind of emptiness, constant sense of regret and overwhelm and emptiness and it has a dramatic effect on one's life, but they don't necessarily, you know, have a thought such as, you know, um, I, I, I want to end things. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, you know, it's such a kind of, it's so individual, it, you know, everyone um, is sort of, you know, for many, you know, um, people fall into depression from circumstances, from something that's happened in their life. Um, but for every person who has that experience, someone else um, would be, for instance, genetically affected. So there's been maybe a lot of depression in their family um, and, you know, something triggers them in their life, which might not necessarily be the most horrendous trigger in the world, but it's enough to set them on that journey of depression. That's very interesting. So um, there are some uh, factors that bring to the depression that are external factors. Um, it, it might be genetic or might be uh, circumstances that bring that person uh, into that uh, conditions. Um, what are uh, the impact? What is the impact uh, on uh, uh, on a person and? Uh, in terms, for, for instance, of, of chemistry, every, you often hear people saying, you know, when you are under depression, there is a sort of chemical imbalance. Um, so what does it really mean, having mm. a chemical imbalance? Mm. Well, for most people who have depression, you know, if, 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 for instance, I were to say to most people, I've got depression, the reaction would be, have you been to see your doctor? And the reason why that question is asked and why that response is very common is because it is a general, the general feeling is, is that depression um, uh, is, 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 has been sort of created from an imbalance uh, in your brain, from a chemical imbalance in your brain. Personally, I feel that, um, I feel that is the case for many, many 
depression sufferers. I also feel that there are people who have gone through their life who haven't had depression, and then one event or a series of events have triggered them to then start to then become depressed. And you know, very often, you know, people go through uh, a period in their life where everything falls apart, where the world caves in, where the universe um, just depletes them of you know everything. The, the rug gets pulled basically. So I do believe there are two camps, um, and then of course there is someone who does have a chemical imbalance, and in addition to that. They also suffer tragedy, mm. um, and that you know, I think that's definitely been the case of myself. Uh, myself, um, there's definitely a chemical imbalance, um, and in addition to that, I've gone through um, you know uh, things in life that you know other people also go through, but um, they were traumatic for me. So um, yeah, I would say there's there's definitely uh, two sides to the depression. If Okay, and if we wanted to to say, okay, um, what are the early signs, for instance, of depression? Uh, is there a way we can identify a number of uh, of symptoms in in people around us or in in ourselves that might point in that direction? So we can mm -hmm. uh, have an early uh, diagnosis of what's going on and perhaps start. Uh, a therapy or, um, you know, addressing that problem? Mm. With depression, the number one um, telltale sign is when demotivation sets in and people start to question what's the point, what, you know, what's the point of me doing this? Um, so, for instance, if, um, uh, you, you know, somebody doesn't um, show a kind of uh, wanting to do things that they used to do um, and it becomes, you know, uh, too exhausting or too much of a chore or, you know, what's the point? That's normally a telltale sign. Like a, a lack of motivation mm. to want to do something is normally a telltale sign that there's, some, there's something not quite right, there's some sort of um, depression going on. Because... And the reason for that is because even though depression is a mental illness, it affects you physically. So, you know, depression sufferers become physically exhausted, almost like they're in this kind of haze of exhaustion. And the reason for that is because the mind and the body are linked. Yeah. Um, interestingly, um, that's, you know, that the fact that, say, for instance, cardiovascular exercise reduces depression, well, cardiovascular exercise is a physical activity, yet it's been proven, and even doctors are really advocating it now, to go and, you know, run off your depression, right? Um, and the reason being is that um, even though it's a physical exercise, it's, it changes your brain chemistry mm. by... The, uh, the various um, endorphins mm. that you're releasing. Um, sorry, I might have strayed off the point there, but... Um, no, I, yeah. I, I think you, you are going there, and uh, there is something that you mentioned, is the body-mind uh, connection, uh, which I found always very, very interesting. In fact, in my personal case, 
I think the early signs were more uh, on my body. Uh, I had so many uh, issues. My body was literally failing me. Um, I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't um, pick up things or reach out. Uh, I struggled to uh, dress up, dress um, out. And, you know, everything was, was really uh, a struggle. And that uh, was about when I really realized that there was a problem with my body. It was more um, probably half a year before I was actually diagnosed with uh, depression, uh, severe mm-hmm. depression. Yeah. Um, and I underwent a number of, of tests and uh, MRI and uh, nothing was, uh, was clear. You know, they, they didn't point to, to a real solution. And only when uh, I was sent home from work saying, you are de- depressed, you are stressed out, you, you are, uh, have reached a burnout, then the uh, clinical uh, picture on what was going on with my body became more uh, a bit clearer and and they started to uh, to work on my on my mind and uh, on everything that is connected with my perception of my depression and and so on yeah so i i think yeah you 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 covered uh, very very nicely mm. so that that's okay so we went through in this uh, uh, sort of early signs mm. when we find out that there is something, uh, whether it's physical issue or whether it's uh, this sense of uh, feeling hopeless and having this numbness, as, as you call it, mm-hmm. um, is there anything that we can do to um, preventing us from falling even deeper? Um, yes. I mean, probably the first suggestion would be go to your doctor, speak with, with them, uh, see what they, they suggest, but are there any other um, activities perhaps that we can, can do? Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, and rightly so uh, exercising. Uh, I remember when I was, um, after I was diagnosed as depressed, I really struggled to do any sort of exercise. Yeah. Um, so are, are there any other activities uh, that perhaps people can, can pick up and release some of this uh, distress and uh, without falling into that sort of trap? Mm. Well, the good news is that there are lots of things you can do to reduce depression. Fantastic. And, yeah, and um, it would take probably a day to go through them, but um, <laughs> yeah. We can but, start. <laughs> yeah, um, but... Um, what I would say is, for instance, if somebody says to me they have depression, the first thing I'll ask them is, well, tell me about your day. What, what are you doing in the day? And what's very common with depression is the need to numb yourself in some shape or form because life's too painful. Um, so, you know, many people, for instance, will go to work, come home, have a meal, crash, and that's, the, that's their day. And it's especially for people as well who are workaholics. There's no surprise that there's depression there because essentially what you're doing is, you know, you're going to work so that you can pay the bills. But then when you get home, you just, you're just escaping. You're escaping from reality 
because there's, there's no energy, there's no what we call joie de vivre, lust for life. So the, the first kind of thing that I'll say is, well, with depression, because it's so all-consuming, because it is this black cloud, you've got to really dig deep and you've got to kind of come to a kind of um, starting point to say, look, this is no life that I'm, you know, that I'm leading. This is just, I'm just existing. You know, many people say that they feel like they're just existing, they're not living. And the only way you can overcome that is to do things that are going to reduce your depression, improve your mood, and just give you a bit more purpose. The catch-22 is that the people who are really struggling with depression, they don't want to, and that's completely understandable. So it's like, right, okay, well, what do I do? There are really only two approaches for this. So the first thing I would say is, you literally have to force yourself. You have to feel you know, that sort of uncomfortable feeling of, right, I'm gonna, I've got to drag myself out of bed, I've got to put some clothes on, and I've got to get out and change my environment, whether it's going for a walk, uh, being in nature, um, you know, doing some sort of uh, cardiovascular um, video, you know, obviously going out is a bit difficult at the moment. Um, but that's, that's the first port of call is you've got to find that inner strength because without that inner strength, the depression is just going to overwhelm you. So what I, what I try not to do is to say, right, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. If someone is really struggling with depression, then their head is not in that place. Absolutely. So it's really a case of baby steps, small steps. So that's the first thing I would say. But in the end, you do need some willpower. You've got to make yourself um, do things that are, you know, are going to help you in the long run. You might not see it in the short term, but it, it's just kind of having, you've got to somehow you know, find that determination. Even if it's just cooking a meal. So for instance, why I always say that cooking can be great for people who have depression because there are a number of things involved in cooking that meal. So for instance, you've got to go to the shops to get the food. So that means already you're getting out, getting out of your bedroom, you're getting off the sofa and you're changing your environment. And there's a whole bunch of other reasons why that's really important. Then you've got to get a recipe out, you've got to cook the food. So it's a whole, all these things take attention and focus and time. And the number one uh, key for depression is distraction. You need to distract yourself with things, even if you don't want to do them. Better to do that than just sit and be numb. The second thing I would say, going back on the whole sort of baby steps theme, is just focus on one thing at a time. So for instance, people with severe depression, as I said, many are bedridden. And what I say to them is, just focus on getting out of bed. That's all you need to do. One of the reasons that 
sort of makes it so hard to get out of bed for a depression sufferer is they're too overwhelmed. They're too overwhelmed by the thought of the day, by the to-do list they have to do. They can't face it. What I say is, forget all that. Just focus on getting out of bed. And then once you've gotten out of bed, focus on the next. Yes. Um, there are a couple of things that you mentioned that uh, really caught my, uh, my attention. One is the idea of focusing on something. And I remember I struggled. I mean, you mentioned cooking. Uh, I, I'm Italian. I, I, I used to cook. Uh, I've been cooking since probably I was eight. Um, there are recipes that I, I can cook with my <laughs> uh, blindfolded uh, or even in my sleep. And I remember that when I was really at the worst of my depression, I couldn't focus on making these meals. Uh, very simple things, even a, a simple pasta uh, for me was a struggle. Uh, what, what do I need? Uh, okay, I need a pot. Uh, what then? Then I need water. And every single step of making the pill or preparing that, um, that little dish was such a struggle. And something that in normal condition would have taken me uh, 10, 15 minutes, at that particular state could take easily an hour. And it was just me going through a list of, of actions. Um, and lists are something that I've been doing a lot uh, since I, I've been on depression because uh, it, it feels almost that my brain doesn't hold on, uh, on information. And uh, so I, if I have a phone call, I need to write down everything I absolutely need to mention, to remember, um, because otherwise uh, I, I won't be able to do it. So there are all these sort of uh, um, situations that uh, affect you in a day-to-day -day, uh, life. The other aspect that you mentioned that I found particularly interesting is um, when you said to push yourself uh, a little and you need to find that um, sort of uh, will inside uh, you to, uh, to start again. Because I remember when uh, I was in, really in the midst of the depression, I had people around me, especially uh, my mother was one. Uh, I had the occupational doctor phoning and say, oh, just go out and uh, uh, yes, baby steps all the time. But I, I just kept saying, especially to my mother, I remember, uh, just let me be. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not able to do, I, I know, you, you know, uh, a Rosanna that right now doesn't exist. Um, you know, a person that right now isn't here. I, I, I'm like a different person. I don't have the energy to do, to do anything. Just let me be. Uh, let me be in this moment, which for me meant let me be depressed. And uh, I know that it might sound completely counterintuitive, uh, but for me, that was the only thing I could do at that particular time. Um, and then there was a, a moment when I found what you call the will to change. Uh, there was something inside me that said, okay, this is enough. I cannot carry on this way. I need to do something. And that was the, the moment when uh, my old depression started to ease, my situation started to improve, 
uh, and eventually I started to get a little bit stronger mentally and physically and everything started to work afterwards. So how common is this sort of situation and that sort of response from someone uh, in, in a depression uh, condition? And is it really helpful uh, for someone to persist in that state until they have that will, power, uh, or making that decision? Sure. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the first thing I would say is that, um, just going back to what you were saying, is that one symptom of depression is the inability to focus. Mm. And it's the inability to concentrate. And it's constantly being distracted. So, um, and that is why, you know, simple tasks, well, supposedly simple tasks, become such a chore and become so overwhelming uh, for someone who suffers with depression. So if I said to you, right, um, yeah, just go onto this website, check out this uh, thing, and then let me know. And just something as simple as doing that can be hugely overwhelming. The fact that you've got to do X and Y and Z um, can be hugely overwhelming for someone who has depression. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a tricky one because, you know, on the one hand, um, if, if the person has been suffering a long time with depression, then you kind of want to get them on the road to recovery, you know, as soon as, as soon as physically possible. And it might just take a handful of techniques to do that. On the other hand, um, as you rightly pointed out, sometimes people just need to, to be, they just need to, um, you know, feel whatever they're feeling or whatever they're not feeling. Um, and just sort of, yeah, just, just be and just let, let, you know, go through the, the channels of, of uh, uh, grief, depression, whatever it is they're feeling. I think also a lot depends on what's happened in their life. So for instance, someone has gone through a breakup, someone has gone through a divorce, someone who's lost a loved one, the approach is there obviously very, very different because that is a case of you just literally have to get under the covers and, you know, just allow yourself to grieve and go through all the volatile emotions that are going to happen. Um, because, uh, you know, um, whether it's a breakup or whether it's uh, the loss of a, uh, loved one or whether it's a, a breakdown of a relationship all those things we're not prepared for those kind of things. so we have to go through a, a grief process to process it in terms of um you know uh, allowing yourself to just rest i mean rest i always advocate is is an, is an integral part of of depression recovery because um, knowing your limits, knowing, you know, what you're capable of doing and what you're not capable of doing is really important. Um, and it improves that kind of sense of self-worth. So um, very often, for instance, you know, I work with people who have chronic illness and um, very often I'll say, look, um, uh, there's no point beating yourself up for, um, you know, uh, because you can't do X, Y, and Z. You have to come to that um, that point of acceptance where you say, you know, I, I, I accept my limitations. I accept what I'm able to do, what I'm not able to do. And I'm okay with that. Not okay in the sense that, you know, I'm ecstatic, 
but I'm okay in that I'm taking that on, you know, I'm surrendering to that. So yeah, I would say um, what you were saying there makes a lot of sense and people do need time to, um, as you say, to just um, process, mm. which I think is what you were talking about. Same time, what um, I will be mindful of is just because we, we develop habits, we condition ourselves. Now, for instance, um, if uh, you're extremely depressed and struggling to get out the house and all you want to do is just sit and just, you know, um, just be with yourself, that's okay, but as long as it's not forever. Because what you don't want to do is get to such a point where you're not able to, you know, to move on with your life anymore. So just that needs to be kind of monitored, I think. Yes. Um, I totally resonate with what you are saying because um, I had a moment where um, even leaving the house was actually a struggle. Um, uh, as a scientist, uh, I'm used to go around, I, I give presentation in front of an audience. So um, I'm, I'm used to travel, I'm used to, to see people and to be with people. And there was a time when every single um, for every single situation I had to leave the house or even just go outside, I first checked the windows uh, if it was safe, if there, are, there were people there. Um, I, I don't know what, what I was really checking. Um, I, I cannot really <laughs> mention there was this problem or this other problem in my mind, but I had to check. I couldn't just open the door and and go outside, even if it was still within the property, my property. So um, there is that, that sense of uh, uh, that something is almost changing and you get used to that change. You, as you said, you, you take the, that as, a, as an habit uh, that you need to, to eventually to, to revert. So that is a, a very, uh, very good um, yeah, advice uh, to give to anyone that is, uh, is suffering and is uh, uh, sort of now uh, trying to overcome uh, all the hurdles of, of depression and uh, taking care of themselves within their own home. And obviously, everything that is going on with COVID doesn't really help because right yeah. now it's really a difficult uh, time to to be depressed and uh, to to undergo this uh, this sort of process uh, mm -hmm. when there are still issues with uh, social distancing with yes. wearing a mask uh, everything seems to uh, limit uh, that connection that we have with with people right mm -hmm. uh, so um, mm. yeah uh, anyone who um sort of went into this whole pandemic with existing depression or anxiety, you know, my heart goes out to them um, because uh, if anything, all it's done is totally exacerbate mental illness struggles. Um, and it's heartbreaking. Um, but what has become necessary is for, you know, for us to survive. We've somehow had to survive this. And to do that, We've had to kind of reach within our inner resources to get through each day the best day, the best we can, because we've had no choice. 
And very often, you know, that happens in life that your back's to the wall and there's no choice. You've got to do X, Y, or Z to survive. And um, I think that, again, going back to what I was saying before, that I needed to find these coping techniques to survive. And this last year um, has been completely, it's unprecedented. The amount of stress and pressure and anxiety it's caused. Um, and so uh, to, to, to get through this, um, we've literally, we've had to become warriors. Absolutely. Yeah, so can, can we go a little bit uh, deeper on this uh, uh, coping techniques? Because yeah. um, when we talk about depression, um, the, the mind goes typically to antidepressant on one hand and uh, psychotherapy on, on the other. Um, so are there uh, techniques that we can, uh, we can use and we, we can advise uh, our listeners to, to apply to their own lives? Uh, before going into medication and medical treatment. Mm, sure. So um, there are a number of things that, that really help. First thing I would say is that it's very important to understand um, the whole kind of uh, what I call the rating system of depression. So for instance, it's really important to acknowledge how severe your depression is on any given day. And the reason for that is that if you are mindful of, for instance, let's say you are having a really, really bad day and you would rate your depression 10, right? On, a, on an intensity of 10 out of 10. What you can then do is say to yourself, okay, I want to get it down to eight. Let me start with getting it down to eight. So, okay, I need to reduce it by 20%. What can I do to reduce it by 20%? Okay. So, in the ideal world, you would have a list of all the things that you would do. So, one thing that I find really helps me is just getting out and getting in nature. That's just one thing. So, if I go for that walk in nature, I'll come back. And then I would say the majority of the time, I'll be at an eight by then, right? So it's really important to then uh, become aware of how much a 20% reduction is in the world of depression, because it's huge. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it could be the difference between sitting in your lounge doing nothing all day and actually getting on with your day and getting a couple of things done. So once you've got it down to eight, your next step is, okay, let me see if I can get it down to six. So you would look at something else on your list. So maybe that's something like, okay, I've got all these ruminating thoughts in my head. I need to create some space for them. Let me get them down on paper. Mm -hmm. So you can get a pad out and just write down whatever your anxieties are, whatever is getting you down, breaths, what's coming up for you at that any given moment. Then you draw a line. Once you've drawn that line, you can do something called reframing. You can reframe everything you've written down because anything can be reframed. You can change your perception to anything if you set your intention to do that. So that's two examples of a cognitive approach and a physical approach. Mm -hmm. 
And to be honest, if you can do both, your, your depression should reduce and it should reduce enough for you to get on with your day. I absolutely love it. Uh, and for the last point about uh, taking a pad and writing down uh, uh, whatever it, it comes to, to mind and uh, the situation that makes you feel uh, bad or you have negative uh, feelings, I completely resonate with that because actually um, there was a time when every single morning, the only, I mean, the only thing I could do during the day was in the morning for about half an hour, take my journal and just, just write. Um, I remember the, when I started, I couldn't actually write a, a sentence that made sense. Uh, it, it was almost if my hand and my brain were completely uh, disconnected. But with time, eventually practice helps and, uh, and you start writing things down. And when you go and you write what your mind is thinking and you, you bring everything, uh, you bring everything out. And uh, I, I think that also helps. And uh, uh, you can start uh, that process of, of reframing because you put really everything black and white. And then you say, okay, this is the story that I'm telling myself. Uh, is there another story that I can replace uh, that negative one with? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally um, now understand also my, my need because I, I went through some of these uh, techniques and uh, coping mechanism without knowing. It's just okay. what uh, I felt that in that particular moment uh, mm -hmm. worked for me. And I have to say, I never really, uh, I, I've never done any journaling in my life. So it, it was really a sort of one-off uh, experience. Wow. Yeah. But it, it lasted for about three months and it was literally every single morning for about half an hour. Mm -hmm. So uh, I totally uh, understand and uh, I, I certainly advise uh, anybody uh, who has something to say, but they don't, uh, find, for example, the uh, the strength or the courage to to talk with with other people, just to take a part and, and write down whatever it comes to mind. Uh, there are no rules. Uh, it doesn't matter if the grammar is not right. Uh, the important thing is uh, to take these things out of uh, your system. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a very an extremely good point. Um, David, what about uh, the younger generation? Because um, I have the impression that uh, teenagers uh, or early 20s started to get more and more depressed or in a state that is close to depression. Uh, I cannot remember uh, my own generation uh, to be uh, this close at, at that age, or perhaps we simply didn't talk about it and uh, we didn't recognize it. So what is your... Um, perception about it well it's it's really sad it's really tragic because you know teenage mental illness is going through the roof um and this year has obviously well this last year has completely exacerbated that and it's no surprise you know um i, I feel that um especially in the uk there were sort of large um, uh, year groups 
where the government just left left them, you know, out to dry. Really, there was no support. They were just told no. Um, uh, you know, there was there was no kind of backup system for the GCSEs and for the A levels, and um, it was an absolute mess. And I think what's happened is the kids have just um, they've, they've just been stuck. They've just literally been stuck. Like, what do we do now? Um, a lot of you know, tuition has continued online, but it's that the whole situation is so unnatural. Um, you know, students at uni, university, there's no getting together and socializing and parties and going to the pub and all that's out the window. And it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to just, you know, be at a stage of your life which is supposed to be exciting and an adventure and the beginning of a journey and um so i think it's pretty traumatic it's really traumatic for, for these kids i think what is um the biggest challenge is that there's um just the kind of well you know what do we do that that's that's kind of i think when when um they wake up in the morning it's like well how much what am i supposed to do you know how do i get through this day and I think the whole situation has just totally, you know, exacerbated people's depression and, and, and anxiety. And to be honest, it's been dramatically on the rise anyway over the years, over the last few years. And quite a few um, sort of uh, protagonists for that. I think social media has totally um, accentuated uh, the pressures for, for children and living up to images that are being portrayed by various pop culture and movies and all that kind of thing so children have this kind of um uh put everything on a pedestal which is unreachable um and when you do that it kind of um attacks your own self-worth it attacks your your own self-esteem you know makes you feel like a failure like uh, well look at them you know they're all leading this great life and look at me you know so i think there's an enormous amount of pressure on kids but obviously this last year has just um, has been incredibly challenging. And I think, you know, trying to sort of um, communicate um, that, look, if you, do, if you do exercise and you do go out for walks and you do journal or meditate or do yoga, it's, it's hard for someone to take that on board if, if they're kind of, you know, what they really want to do is just have a, a normal student life. But when, all, when, you have, when you start saying, yeah, I know, but that, that can't happen right now. Um, so this is what we can work with. Uh, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard message to get through. So I see a lot of these kids and how they're struggling. And I know what they need to do to make their day go better. But um, it's, it's hard to get that message through because um, they don't want to, you know, have to start... Uh, sort of learning to journal and, 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 and learning to refrain and learning to meditate and they're kids, you know. So, yeah. So um, it's, it's very, very tough. I really feel, really feel for the young generation right now. But hopefully we're climbing our way out of this at some point. Yes, uh, but what, what do you think will be the long-term uh, effect of COVID? Because uh, in terms of... Uh, 
uh, vaccination. Yes, we are, especially in the UK, we are uh, in a sort of a good position. Um, eventually, uh, the whole pandemic will uh, will come to an end. Uh, all um, shops and uh, pubs and uh, restaurants, everything will uh, reopen. We will be most likely um, reallowed to, uh, you know, be a little bit more social than we can uh, be right now. But are we going to face uh, another pandemic, which is the emotional one, um, as a long-term, um, you know, consequences of COVID? Yeah, sadly we are. I mean, sadly, you know, we're probably going to see the biggest mental health, mental illness pandemic of our, of our lifetime coming through because um, uh, the, these times are incredibly challenging. They, no one was prepared for this. No one was prepared for this. You, you can't possibly prepare for what we've all been through over the last year. Um, so, yeah, sadly, it's, 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 it's going to um, definitely set off um, a mental health crisis for, for sure. Um, and, you know, as I said, um, all we can do is, um, is be supportive and, and, and encourage people to reach out. Um, and, but in the end, um, it's, it's really tragic, really, really tragic. And, uh, you know, it's one reason why I do what I do because, um, I, I want to you know, help people reduce their suffering. Um, and, uh, it is possible. Um, it is possible, uh, you know, but you know, there are lots of things you can do. Um, and that's across the board. It doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, I, you know, there are now, um, uh, five-year-old children learning how to meditate in schools. They're teaching it now. Um, because this is, this is, uh, needed, you know, we, we need these coping tools now to face this crisis. I, I think the uh, entire world now is, uh, has started to recognize that there are uh, ways of living uh, or there are a number of techniques that perhaps in the Western countries uh, weren't so uh, used, like you mentioned just now, uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. And the value of these techniques have been uh, discussed uh, for, for years. And I think there is... Uh, a very good agreement right now that there are uh, techniques that can be beneficial, especially in situations like this. So um, it's a very, a very good point. Mm. David, what uh, can we suggest to people that are living with someone with depression? Uh, because uh, up to now we talk about depression, the symptoms, what to do and what not to do from the person who is suffering uh, of depression. But um, we are not islands. We we live, uh, uh, you know, with our families. And so, for someone who has uh, a person that is uh, trying to cope with depression, what is the best way for them to support their loved ones in a way that really help them come out without pushing uh, to to much, you know, in the wrong direction. Well, the first thing I would say is that um, it's my again, my heart goes out to people who are in that situation because it's incredibly challenging um, and it affects everybody. Um, and 
There are two approaches. The first approach I would say is the advice approach. So, hey, look, you know, if you did this, why don't we, you know, why don't we go out for a walk? Why don't we, um, why don't we put on this exercise video? Um, why don't we uh, put on this comedy video? Why don't, you know, why don't, um, so there are all these kind of suggestions you can, let's, let's cook a meal together. There are all these kind of suggestions you can make um, that um, is going to reduce their depression. Now, not everyone is open to advice and not everyone is open to suggestion. So, but you do have uh, um, a whole, you know, cross-section of depression sufferers who they, they want to be helped. They want advice, they want tips, they want supporting mechanisms that are going to free them from their suffering or reduce their suffering. There's another um, approach which can work just as well, and that is really just to be there, mm. just to be there. So very often people just, they, they don't want any advice, they just want to be heard. And there's a lot to be said for that. Um, a lot of the uh, suicide hotlines work that way. They never advise, they just listen. And validation, validation is really critical. So one of the most common issues that I come across um, are people who suffer with depression and their families and their friends are not validating. They're not supporting them. Yeah. Um, uh, this brings a, tears to my eyes because yeah. um, uh, when I went through, through depression, uh, I live in a foreign country and my family is, uh, is in Italy. And when I started to, uh, to suffer about depression, I was uh, at home on my own. Uh, a lot of my friends literally disappeared. Uh, and um, it, it is very hard. Uh, that sense of loneliness that that you feel, uh, yeah. As you can see, my my yeah. uh, tears are coming to to my eyes because it's very difficult to cope with that. And uh, and then when they used to come, they kept asking, "How are you? How are you doing? What's going on?" And it feels like an interrogation. And you don't want an interrogation. You want just someone that is there. Um, perhaps even without talking uh, or, you know, you need someone that checks on you um, often, but not for a very long time. Um, I remember there was a friend of mine who used to come on a, on a Saturday morning and we hardly talked, but she stayed like four hours. And it was something, I, I didn't have the energy to say, I need to be on my own right now. Uh, this is becoming a little bit too overwhelming, uh, you know, to entertain someone for such a long period of time. Um, but then I, I could stay on my own for another four months after that. And my personal advice for what I experienced is if you have someone, a friend or family members who is suffering that, visit them, you know, often for a short period of time and make sure that um, they are still part of the, uh, the same network. Um, at some point I had this feeling of being uh, almost 
in a bubble and the rest of the world in a different one. Uh, it, it's it's very weird even to 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 say and uh, and to tell someone. You know, uh, it was almost as if the world had gone uh, had moved on, and I, I was stuck in the same in the same place. Uh, but it, yeah. It, as as I said, it brings a little bit of tears to to my eyes. But yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. It, it's so challenging because not only have, has one got to deal with depression, you've got to deal with a lack of support. So it's incredibly challenging. And then there are people who have to deal with um, a total kind of as I say, invalidation. So um, there's such a misunderstanding about depression. People who don't have depression, they just see it as being sad or, you know, oh, you know, pick yourself up and um, stiff up a lip and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the bottom line is, no, you, you, you don't get it. <laughs> this, this, this is deep within one's consciousness. So... Um, but it, it is a huge issue, the lack of um, support and the inability to identify and relate. Um, and also what's really important is be very careful who you open up to because another thing I see that's really common is um, you know, someone with depression will open up to a friend or friends and then they'll find that those friends, um, as you say, either disappear or um, might talk about them behind their backs. Um, there's a lot of disloyalty, you know, with that. So, and that can absolutely traumatize somebody with depression because, you know, you're trying to reach out, you're trying to reduce your suffering, and then you're kind of um, almost punished for that. So just to be very, very mindful who you open up to, um, and if you're not getting that support from family and friends, there are people out there who will support you, people that relate. You know, there's lots of online groups. Obviously, once this pandemic's over, please God, you know, um, there are lots of support groups. Get out there and, and be amongst people who will, who will get That's a, a very good uh, advice. David, you know, this uh, podcast is called uh, Forgiven Tribe. Um, so forgiveness uh, in my personal journey was uh, a very important uh, aspect. Um, what are your thoughts about it? And uh, uh, when it comes to, to depression, is there any uh, relationship between uh, depression and uh, what forgiveness can, can provide? And we are talking about the emotional forgiveness, obviously, mm. the religious uh, one. Yeah, oh, absolutely huge. Forgiveness is huge. In, in the world of depression for the reason that it's about forgiving yourself. So one of the major um, battles that people with depression have is the relationship with themselves, how they view themselves, how they regard themselves, their relationship with themselves. And I see a lot of self-punishment with people that suffer, constantly blaming themselves, what happened here, what happened there, not liking the way they look, not uh, um, 
you know, blame themselves for things that they've, that, you know, they've done or how their life has transpired. And, you know, the first, um, the, the antidote to that, the solution to that is just draw a line and say, you know what? That was then, this is now, I forgive myself. I forgive myself for the mistakes I've made, but life is about making mistakes. Life is about, you know, we mess up. It's the human condition. Absolutely. And that forgiveness, um, when you can feel that, that sense of self-forgiveness, um, it's, it's huge. That's fantastic. So, David, we are coming towards the end of our conversation. Um, mm -hmm. What would be the one take-home message that you would absolutely love our listeners to, um, to take home? Uh, from mm. our conversation today. Mm. Well, what, the final thing I would say is that when you are in the throes of a depression, all the focus is on your depression. All the focus is on you and your depression and your ruminating thoughts. So what you need to do is take that focus and switch it. Switch the focus off you, off the depression, And the ways to do that, number one, is go and do something, whatever it is, even if it's chores, even if it's work around the house, anything, switch the focus away from the ruminating thought. Another great way to get the focus of you is to go and help someone up. That's a fantastic advice. I really love that. Thank you very much. Now, before going, uh, I, we didn't spend much time talking about uh, what you are doing and how can people get in touch with you. Can mm -hmm. you take us uh, very quickly through uh, your current work, what you have in the pipeline, for instance, mm, and how sure. can people can get in touch with you? Mm, uh, sure. By the way, we will put uh, all the reference in uh, the description so people can just go there and, uh, and click. But just if you can uh, take us through. Excellent, yeah. So um, everything can be found through my website, which is healyourgrief.co.uk. Um, and I have launched a, an online course uh, for depression sufferers, uh, which has 20 modules of um, cognitive and practical strategies to reduce your depression. Um, I'm also a private coach and I deal with bereavement, people who suffer with bereavement or are struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, and everything can be accessed via my website. So uh, feel free to get in contact. And uh, I offer a, an initial 20-minute chat just for free, just to see if I can help. That's fantastic. So here you go. Uh, I hope that this episode has provided food for thoughts on uh, how we can uh, overcome depression and uh, we can avoid really the, the, that trap. Um, David, thank you very much for accepting our invitation. It has been a, a fantastic conversation. I really enjoy it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It's great. So we would love to hear about you. What do you think? Uh, are there specific challenges or hurdles that you are facing right now uh, about depression that perhaps we didn't address? If so, get in touch. Uh, we might ask uh, David to come back and uh, maybe have another episode together. And um, uh, as always, uh, however, if you have been affected by the topic we discussed today, please seek professional help. 
Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.